Thanks, Jim. It's amazing. We, um, many of us don't necessarily know it, but we were made by God and we were made for God. And it's a, just a wonderful thing when you, when you discover that that really is, is the case. So great to hear those stories. I, w- I want to talk this morning just for a few minutes, you'll be pleased to know, about a parent's priority. A parent's priority. I guess most of us here either are parents or we've got friends who are parents and we will have observed uh, that it's a bit challenging. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Bless him. Don't worry about him. He's fine. (laughs) We love a bit of noise. It's great. It's challenging, isn't it? And sometimes, sometimes it's challenging when we look on and we may think, oh, I wouldn't do it like that. And sometimes we look on and we just chuckle and think, oh, I've been there, I know what that's like. Yeah, I've seen my son screaming in the aisles of Tesco and creating a fuss. And, and, we, and we just remember back and think, yep, been there, done that, that's great. And sometimes those of us older look back and think, yep, I remember that vaguely and I'm really pleased I'm not doing it anymore. But we all know that, that being a parent's a challenging job. Mark Twain, this is, this is not a quote from the Bible, this is a quote from Mark Twain. He said this, when they're 13, I think he was mucking about, when they're 13, put them in a barrel and nail the lid shut. Then feed them through the knot hole. And when they're 16, plug the knot hole. That may be a quote from a guy that was struggling with his children. I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure, sure and, I, and I'm sh- pretty sure it wasn't serious. Actually, we, we really enjoyed, our, with all the challenges, we uh, determined to enjoy our children at every stage. And, and the truth is, every stage has some challenges. And, and, and every cha- stage has some great joys as well. And, and the teenagers are actually fun because you're watching kids become adults they're young adults forming and sometimes what they want to do doesn't fit in and sometimes they're children sometimes they're adults and you you can't tell which they're going to be at any one moment so that brings its challenges but it also brings its fun I want to suggest to you this is this is my sort of Christian definition but I think a Christian's parents priority is to gradually transfer a child's dependence away from them until their dependence rests solely in God. Now, I think most of us might finish the sentence until they're independent. But actually, independence, from a Christian point of view, is not that great. Being independent of being on your own and being solo, actually in the Bible, is seen as a bit of a curse. So that's, that's my sort of working suggestion, that our priority is to gradually transfer a child's dependence away from us as parents until they're, yes, able to live and make decisions on their own, but actually to depend solely in God. Because we all love the, the little baby, the little baby, or maybe some of you don't. Some of you, I know because I know what it is, some of the guys here think when they get a bit bigger, I can do things with them. And they become a little bit more interesting. Some of us here, uh, and that were, oh yeah, it's about three honest people, three honest guys. You know. Others of us just love. I just love. But I love. You know, I know it's maybe not quite right, and there's safeguarding issues. But I love nibbling the back of their necks when they're little. I think. I think there's something. I I love babies. I couldn't eat a whole one, but I love babies. I think they're just gorgeous. So, uh, but they're totally dependent, aren't they? 
absolutely dependent. They can't wipe their own chin. They poo all over the place. They, they need us to feed them, clothe them, transport them. Absolutely every, work out what, it, what they're crying for. Absolutely everything is dependent upon us. And of course, over time, that dependence is transferred. They, they gradually, gradually learn to feed themselves, to go to the loo, to make decisions. And then ultimately, that they're choosing their own clothes, not always approved of by you. They're choosing their own music, almost definitely not approved of by you. They're, cho- they're making their own decisions, and the decisions, it gets a bit scary because the decisions they make have got bigger implications when it was, do I play with Lego or do I play with a racing car? Now it's, do, do, I, do, a, do I go to uni or do I do an apprenticeship or, 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 or do I... Do I just sit in my bedroom or what, do I, what am I going to do? There's bigger decisions that are being made as they get older. But ultimately, you know, the only totally faithful, totally true person is God. And so my suggestion is that if we teach our children to depend on him, we'll have done a good job. So we've got to teach and model for them dependence on God. Now I want to share a bit of ancient wisdom. It's from the Bible. It's written by Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. And um, Deuteronomy is an old guy's sermon. That's, that's what Deuteronomy is. I mean, some bits of it are a bit boring, dare I say it, but, but that's what it is. It's, it's Moses as an old man, and he remembers back to when God gave Israel the law and the regulations for how they're going to run the country, how they're going to run their lives. They're just about to go into the promised land, and, and he, he says, okay, well, that was a previous generation. I better pass this on to the next generation. It's at the end of his life. And uh, he says this in chapter 6. He says, these are the commands to observe so that you... Your children and their children after them may fear, literally that word means be in awe of the Lord, and so that you may enjoy long life. That's a great sentence. These are the commands to observe so that you, your children and their children after them may be in awe of the Lord and that you may enjoy long life. So this is the big view of parenting, because I I know you get, we all get bogged down in, is there room in the nappy bin? Or or, why won't he eat sprouts? Or hundreds and thousands of other things that we find difficult. But the truth is, in parenting, we're shaping the next generation and the one after that. We've heard this morning from Jim in a negative way how the parenting of one generation affects that generation and the next generation. But the same is true in the positive. As we parent our children and set an example of loving dependence upon God, we shape not just ourselves, how we live, but the next generation. And in shaping the next generation, we shape the next generation after that. That's a really big view of parenting, isn't it? That's a very positive view of parenting. It's an amazing job to be a parent. It's a bit overwhelming at times, but it's an amazing assignment, isn't it? To shape your life in such a way that you shape their life and their children's lives is an amazing thing. So that they are able to pursue happiness, godliness, and a full life. That's a great aim, isn't it? 
to, to shape a human being so they're able to pursue happiness, godliness, and a full life. So our aim actually goes well beyond, oh, thank goodness they could be independent now. It's way bigger than that. It's living for God and shaping future generations. So I want to just um, talk about two things. How, how do we shape our own and fu- future generations? And, and, and I've kept it really quite simple. And the, and the first thing is this. You won't believe how simple it is. Love God. Love God. And, and Moses writes down something that devout Jewish believers would say every morning, every noon, and every evening. And I think they still do. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. How how do we shape our children? Well, I think it starts with this. Just love God. That's the best thing we can do for our children is to love God. And to love God with everything. We're not told here to love God a little bit. Let's be reasonable, love of God. Uh, now, Now, the world we live in, that's how people think and speak. Let's be reasonable. Let's not be too extreme. Actually, what the Bible says is love God with everything. Lock, stock and barrel. Heart, soul and mind. Strength. Anything else you can think of. Just love God with everything. So I I think some of us, we we, we so want to be reasonable. I get the flu inoculation every year because because I'm weak and rubbish so uh, anyway I get the flu inoculation it's actually one of my favorite mornings because you go in and I feel incredibly young in the queue so it's quite it's quite fun really so you go in you roll your sleeve up you get and you get a, a little bit I'm not a medic but I understand that you you get a little bit of 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 the the culture of a virus so that you won't you won't get the real thing so that's roughly right, isn't it? Is there any medics in the house? That, yes, oh, good. So doctor in the back row nodding, that's very good. But, so, so that's the idea. You get. Now, that's the trouble with some people's view of Christianity. They say, let's just keep it just very, very reasonable, minimal. Let's just give them a little taste here. The trouble is, it's sometimes a bit like an inoculation. It's not enough to do you good, but it's just enough to put you off the real thing. That's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say to give them just a little little taster, just enough to put them off the real thing. It says, no, love God wholeheartedly, completely, with everything you've got, because that's the best thing to do to put them on a good road in life way, in, the, in, in terms of life. Now, the truth is, as, as parents, we, we all know there's a lot to distract us from wholehearted love of God for ourselves. There's a lot. We've got, we've got, some of us have got a career and we've got to keep that on track and the demands are growing we've got to work hard then we then we come home and the lawn hasn't been mowed for a fortnight and we've got a home to fix and the paint's peeling off the bathroom and, the, and, and then we've got to take him to toddler group and then they get a bit bigger and there's ballet he wants to do ballet yeah he wants to do ballet and there's football for both and then there's gymnastics and there's scouts and then they get a bit bigger and they're driving lessons and which you need and visits and and then you look around and they've blooming well gone Except they come back and make the house messy after six weeks. So they haven't really gone. But do you see why it goes so fast? There's a lot of things in our lives that will distract us from wholehearted love of God. And, and believe me when I tell you, a quieter time is not coming. Have you ever, have you ever done that? You think, I'll love God, hope God wholeheartedly when I've done my degree. I love God wholeheartedly when... I'm married. I love 
God wholeheartedly when we've got kids and they need my example. Well, that's even harder then because you're even busier. You can postpone loving God with all your heart. Let's not be distracted. All those things that I mentioned, the home, the garden, the scouts, the gymnastics, the football, they're all good. But here's the question. I ask it of myself. Are we child-centered parents, which sounds great, or are we God-centered parents? I just fling it out there for us to consider. Not to condemn anyone, but just it's worth thinking about. Are we child-centered parents or God-centered parents? I I think our first priority certainly as uh, if you're a Christian, is to be a worshipper because it's the core of who God made you to be. Be a worshipper be, and be wholehearted in it. Be a real participant, participant even, committed, part of the, the core in a community of faith because this will affect everything else. And according to Moses, it's the best thing that you can do for your children. Love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Here's the next thing to shape the next generation. Lead them. Love, love God and be a worshiper and lead them. And, and Moses goes on to say, say this. These commands are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children and talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you're driving them to school, when you can't find a car parking space, when you lie down, write them on the door frames, on the gates, etc., etc., etc. They're not interior design tips, by the way. You don't have to write the Ten Commandments up and down your door jams. But what he's saying is, let God be in the midst of your life. Let God be central. Lead them in that way. Talk about God. God is not just a Sunday subject. He's part of everything we do. Everything. And have you ever noticed that kids don't talk when you want them to? They'll, they'll come out of their Sunday groups a bit later, and some of the parents, being diligent, will say, now, what did you talk about this morning? And they'll say something like this, either, don't know, and they'll shove a bit of paper in your hand with some sticky bits on, or they'll say, because they've learned a thing or two, that they'll know that the quickest way to escape is to say something like, about Jesus because they know that's what mum and dad want to hear. So, about Jesus, and then zoom, they're off. Especially this morning, because there's cake involved. What he's saying is, and they, they want to talk at all sorts of weird times, don't they? I was walking down the road with Isla the other day, and she wanted to know, if I eat all my vegetables, I'll get vitamins. She's seen that on CBeebies. I'll get vitamins, won't I? Yes. Does that mean I'll grow as big as God? That's a, good, that's a great question. You know, it's just when you're absolutely cream-crackered and you're dying to, um, to sit down in front of the telly, uh, with a, maybe with a glass of wine on a Friday night, and, you, and just go, ugh. You know that it's exactly at that moment that they'll say, Dad, Mum, is, is God really fat or is he really thin? Or, and when I get to heaven, will Jesus sit next to me when we have tea? They've got a thousand questions and, and, and things that they're exploring and working through. And, and, and the right time to talk to them is when they want to talk about it. And what he's suggesting is, hey, the, let these things be a part of life. Let, let them be part, part of life. You're fed up, you're in a traffic queue, you get impatient, and then you say, oh, sorry. And, and, and you talk about saying sorry, and, you, and it's in the warp and woof of life that, that God 
is involved. That's what Moses is saying. Lead them into these things. It's parents who must set the tone in everything, but also spiritually. It's an intentional thing. However you do it, reading a Bible story, praying with them, teaching them to say thank you to you or to God or to others. Later on, it's watching TV together and talking about the issues you see. Why do you think that girl is wearing a gownless evening strap? Those sort of questions that, that come up. Why, 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 why did that happen? Why did this happen? Let's not be frightened of our culture. Let's, let's talk about it openly. Why, hey, why didn't that feel? Why, why did they jump into bed? They didn't really know each other, did they? Do you think that's sensible? Is that crazy? Just in the warp and woof of life. And don't forget to have fun. Make memories. In fact, some of the things that go wrong later on are the most precious memories. I don't want to embarrass my wife, so I won't go into details. But, you know, it's true, isn't it? And if you're married, hey, one of the best things you can do in terms of training them is, is to set an example by being a, a, a loving husband or wife. I know for some of us that's, that's painful. And I, I want to pray at the end for those who, who haven't managed that or are struggling with that or are single parents. But, you know, it's our responsibility of parents to try and set the standards you know that, that sort of well everyone does this it's not really quite good enough for us God's there to help us as we lead our family let me share a bible verse with you Proverbs 22 verse 6 says this start off children in the way they should go and, and uh, I'm not a great scholar but the Hebrew word I learned this week is chanak and it's desired de- derived from the palate of your mouth it's, it's a it's a very graphic image it's saying keep giving a taster to your children of, of the way they should go now, don't give up keep giving you know a bit like food isn't it you know it keeps being spat out keeps being spat out and i don't like that and i don't like that Ugh, it's got bits in but you keep but you keep giving children tasters don't you keep giving them tasters and, and then they learn to appreciate things not everything obviously sprouts are of the devil obviously but but apart from that that they, they they learn to appreciate things because they keep getting a taste that's what Moses is saying he's saying hey train up a child keep giving a taste of how your children should live a taste to develop a, a taste for living right keep giving them a taste of how to live before God and when they're old they'll keep going in it and if we had longer, we haven't got longer, but we could look at all sorts of things. Give, give them a taster of how to honour God with money. Give them a taster of being generous. Give them a taster of how to make friends well and choose them wisely. Give them a taster of how to control them, what they say. Give them a taster of being thankful to God and to others. Give them a taster of how to respect each other. And most of all, we want to expose our children to the greatness of God, don't we? to his love and his power and his life. And you know, the most imp- as we wrap up, the most important thing we can do is to lead our children to the one who gave his life for them. To lead them to Jesus. That's the best thing because then they're really ready to make a difference in their world. It's not an accident when that happens. It happens because we set the example of loving God and leading them. Can I pray for us? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I I pray 
that you would help us to love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. Some of us have never done that. Maybe some of us have grown cooler. But before you, we say, teach us to love you in a wholehearted way. And Lord, some of us, as we reflect in the quietness, we feel really our, our children are leading us or maybe the world's leading us and our children. We ask you that you would make us better leaders of our family and make us better spiritual leaders too. And for those of us who don't have children here this morning, you know you can ask the same questions of your friendship, of your friendship groups. Am I, am I leading them or are they leading me? And Father, I pray particularly for uh, the parents who dedicated their children this morning, that you would help them and bless them, give them joy and fun in bringing up their kids to love you and to follow you and to take their place in the world. And I pray particularly for single parents struggling to be mum and dad. Bless them, help them, encourage them, give them good friendships, give them support mechanisms. I pray for those parents that have sadly been divorced that you'd help them in the struggle to model these things to their children i pray for those from homes that have been dysfunctional that you'd help them to know how much you're a good good father and that you'd help them to overcome the issues of the past to forgive to receive forgiveness to forgive ourselves and to live for you and we pray this in jesus mighty name amen Amen. We're going to finish about there. There's a few minutes before the children come in and we all get let loose on the cakes. So can I just suggest two things? That Can you keep an eye on your own children? And this is in your own self-interest because if you don't keep an eye on them, they'll eat exactly the cake that you want. So it's pure self-interest. But also can I remind us and them to, to eat. It just makes cleaning up so much easier if we eat cake in this room, not in the corridor and not out on the astroturf and all of that stuff. So if we can stay in the room to eat and drink, that would be great. So thank you for being here uh, today. It's great to have you with us. You're welcome to come uh, any day. So God bless you. Enjoy the rest of the day. May England win the cricket and may Federer win the tennis. Amen. Amen. <laughs>